I, uh, it was pointed out to me in the first service by Kathy that I should have a little bit of a dis disclaimer. The verse that says we will rise up uh, on wings like eagles is not an endorsement from the pulpit of a particular team <laughs> tonight for the Super Bowl. Do not think that this Ohioan has come into your sacred space <laughs> and just made a mess of everything. Um, so if you are offended, I sincerely seek your forgiveness. Hi, will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be, please, be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Another thing. The uh, scripture talks about youth running and being weary. Um, and after five months of serving as your director of children's ministry, I have yet to come across a child or youth who gets weary. So, anyway, I'll start preaching now and stop making jokes. <laughs> For a generation, the people of Judah had lived in cruel exile upon the banks of Babylonian canals. Their temple had fallen, its stones scattered, bearing the traditional faith of the Yahweh religion under the gravel of a devastated people and a failed God. The prophet Jeremiah says that the people had declared they could not be defeated, that the temple would not fall. They repeated this maxim to themselves. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, until it was not. For a generation, the Judeans had grown weary and cynical as they came to the smoldering realization that either God had lost to the more powerful Babylonian gods, or perhaps even more devastating, God had abandoned them cold and so piercingly lonely. Different schools of thought emerged in order to attempt to salvage the faith of the people of Israel, some of which are captured in our Bibles. Ezekiel justified it one way. Jeremiah, another. However one theologized or rationalized the situation at hand, the reality remained. The people who believed themselves set apart by God and a land set apart by God had suffered for years in a place far from home. It was in this context that a nameless 6th century BCE prophet someone we sometimes call Second Isaiah, or if you want to lose friends at parties, Deutero Isaiah, spoke his famous words. Have you not known? Our God is a God of all people, from the very foundation of the earth. Have you not heard? Nations and empires, Babylonians and Assyrians, despots and tyrants have fallen, yet God's justice remains. Have you not been told? Your God, the cosmic God, gives strength to those who are weak and empowers the powerless. The prophet spoke of a God who is doing a new thing. A God who would be returning the exiled Judeans to their homeland, to the promised land. A God who was calling a people who had built their lives on the Babylonian canals out of the comfort of exile into the uncertainty of belonging. You who have run for so long, you will not be weary 
any longer. God will lift you up on wings like the very eagles and painfully and beautifully rebirth you in the land that was once yours before it was not yours. Some five centuries later, the Jews were stripped of all power under the steel boots of the Roman Empire. For a generation, they had existed as a people exiled in their own promised land. The temple rebuilt, but the Orthodox faith of Judaism itself subject to the imperialism of an Italian city across the sea. Times were desperate. Occasionally, a Messiah would arise. Someone who claimed to be the anointed one of God the true heir to the Davidic throne, the one who would return Israel to independence and drive the occupiers out through the force of the sword. These messiahs were always killed, always defeated, and their followers scattered like the stones of that first temple so long ago. It was in this time that God took on flesh and stepped into the sea of humanity. Christ may have walked on water, yet he did not hesitate to wade neck deep into the thick and painful and beautiful mess of humanity. Christmas wasn't that long ago, after all. The cosmic God touched skin and sores in the deep darkness of our own souls and loved us all the same, calling us to bring more to be healed and more to be loved. Have you not seen? Have you not heard? God is here, walking amongst us and providing healing for our illness and sadness and sin and all the things we don't think deserve to be healed. In the midst of empire, in the midst of oppression, in the midst of alienation, in the midst of exile, when we are farthest removed from ourselves and when imperialism and power seem so capable of crushing us and that little infant in Bethlehem, God steps into our midst and heals us. Yet despite Emmanuel, we remain in exile, subject to the injustice and sin of empire. Two summers ago, when I served for a time as the director of undergraduate intern programs, for the West Ohio Conference of the United Methodist Church, I had the divine privilege of sitting with a family on one of the worst days of their lives. I received a call from a pastor colleague who told me that the director of Hispanic Ministries at his church was facing deportation. Despite his documented status, a lapse of, in paperwork on the part of his employer, coupled with the DUI from nearly a decade prior, was, was enough to convince Immigration and Customs Enforcement that this man, who was never undocumented, should be separated from his family, jailed, and sent back to Mexico. I and a co-worker met him, his wife, and two kids, their pastor and their lawyer in downtown Columbus. <coughs> We sat and prayed while he handed in his documents and was told to wait. We waited in a narrow hallway filled with dozens of other people who were attempting to navigate a complex and impersonal system. I tried to make conversation with the little boy and the little girl with my limited Spanish, but there are only so many times you can ask a child their favorite subject in school before conversation grows stale. 
After what seemed like hours of this, two large armed men in uniform swaggered down the hallway and told this church leader that he was to come with them. To the protest of those of us who had gathered. They grabbed him and they took him. I will never forget the stunned expression on his daughter's face. The way his son fought against tears. The solemn resolve of his wife. The next time he would see his family would be when they visited him in prison. We left the ICE office and went downstairs where we gathered to pray, hug, and weep. Not every story from exile has a happy ending. Empires have not fallen. The names have changed, but the sinful and rotten system remains. Babylon is long gone. Rome is but a city, yet the ghosts of this particular form of domination still exist. The domination of exile, of existing as a people made in the image of God when injustice is such that money matters more than humanity. As long as black skin is weaponized and black lives are cut short, as long as queer folks are denied their identity as being made in the image of God, as if that is something that can be be denied them, as long as immigrant families are split by a cruel and capricious system, as long as refugees are turned away at our borders, as long as women are only viewed as accessories to men, as long as our elected leaders utilize words and legislation that dehumanize and kill people of color internationally and here at home, as long as the poor starve and freeze while we shoot poison arrows through the earth itself, as long as we are encouraged and persuaded to hate our neighbors and to kill our enemies, as long as pen strokes strike down children through unjust tax systems and sickness reform, empire will exist. We will be a people in exile as long as people die by the sword or our own apathy because the blood does not quite reach our own unstained hands. We, like the Judeans so long ago, cry out, This is the country of God, the country of God, the country of God. Yet we have violated the commandments of Jesus to love our enemies and our neighbors and to heal the sick. And we do not heal the sick and we do not heal the sick and we do not heal the sick. And can we be healed of the demons that occupy our own hearts? Racism infects our very souls and we internalize it whether we realize it or not. And we get mad when someone points it out to us because we're good progressives. And we believe in the dark recesses of our spines that the homeless folks we walk past do not have the same stuff that we have, and we're better for it. And that when we see images of war and devastation, the words better them than me are stuck in our molars like a, per- like a kernel of popcorn from last night when we watched a mediocre romantic comedy on Netflix with our family, and everyone is on, our, on their phones, and can you feel the desperation? Have you not known? Haven't you heard? One of the oldest prayers in the church is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. But a better translation from the original Greek is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, heal me. I've missed the mark. Do you want to be healed? Do I want to be healed? Because that means on some level I'm responsible for the healing of other people. It's easy to be content in exile when injustice is so 
pervasive. Take a 12-hour break from social and news media and you're already six atrocities behind. What marginalized group is being targeted this hour? It can be so exhausting and the temptation is to fall into a sort of outraged nihilism. When our political system allows for the easy translation of economic power into political power, and when it seems impossible to hold so many of our elected officials accountable, we can easily slide into making the most of a broken system instead of seeking the redemption of our social structures and those who perpetuate them. Do you trust that Jesus can heal those you hate? Do you trust that Jesus can heal our institutions? Do you trust that Jesus can heal you? Friends, will you let me preach on hope for a second? Hear the words of Deutero Isaiah again. What are they saying to you? A people in exile in seemingly hopeless situations. How are they healing you? How are they calling you out of exile? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. God does not faint or grow weary. The Lord's understanding is unsearchable. God gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and grow weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I know the times are weary. I know the winter has been long, and sometimes it's all you can do to throw your legs over the side of your bed in the morning. But it was in weary times that second Isaiah spoke, calling people to something grander, calling attention to how God's breath was already moving liquid across the face of the historical and political world. It was in weary times that God walked among us and healed us of our physical and spiritual sicknesses. My friend, Father Martin McGill of Belfast, a man who was born and raised in conflict and now works to heal those wounds, once told me that hope radiates outward in concentric circles. Hope is born in our personal disciplines, in our prayer, in our angry and tired encounters with God who can seem distant, in our, in our joyful elation shared with our Holy Mother, the source of all good things. Then it moves out to your family, our friends, our congregations, our communities, our country, our world. We who have sat in darkness have seen a great light. We who have sat in darkness are a great light. We who have been living in exile have been called by God through prophetic messengers to heal the world. The cosmic God who topples empires. The personal God who lays hands on us. Haven't you heard? I pray it is so. Amen. Would you please stand and join me in singing hymn number 474, Precious Lord, Take My Hand in the Red Hymn.